0: It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's quarters every week, right here on VolQuest.
1: Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the ballquest.com Mailbag Edition of the podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store, focusing on natural products and organic remedies to a variety of ailments that you're dealing with. So check them out at East, uh, at, out throughout East Tennessee at one of their four locations at Smoky Mountain Organics. You can check them out online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Those four locations in East Tennessee include Knoxville, the one at 8018 Kingston Pike right across from Traders Joe's, and then, of course, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and Sevierville. Don't forget to tell them on if you're buying in-store that you're there Uh, Because of VolQuest, they'll give you 15% off of your in-store purchase. That's at Smoky Mountain Organics. Plenty to get to in this mailbag edition of the podcast. We got lots of questions with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. Guys, you ready? Here we go. How about that? Right into it we go. Um, Austin, let's go. Recruiting here. Any early rumblings on high school targets for the late signing period? Uh, Moten, Dudley all come to mind. What do you think Tennessee looks at? Uh, What do you think they look? I'm going to try to combine a couple of questions because some of these are similar. In terms of high school prospects out there, we saw Jordan James did not sign, which was kind of interesting. He did not sign with Georgia. What do you think Tennessee looks from a high school standpoint? Jordan James a factor there? How do you think this thing plays out with high school guys in January?
2: I can't see them taking the third back, third high school back. You know, I mean, could they go with an older guy? Maybe if the right guy fell their way, um, you know. For me, I look at Ahmad Moten, uh, South Florida defensive lineman that Rodney went and saw several times over the last uh, couple of weeks when he was down there seeing Akis. Um, and then uh, and then EJ Lightsey, former Florida commit linebacker, um, isn't going to sign till February. I could see uh, Brian Jean Marie trying to uh, kick the tires there.
1: And then we'll see who else jumps up and, and is there a fact what position wise, I mean, high school wise, don't you think defensive back, if they found somebody they, that they like now, I don't know if there's going to be a defensive back available that they like. I think they exhausted that look pretty good, but from a position standpoint, defensive lineman, defensive back, probably if they go wide receiver, it would have to be a, a I think a transfer portal guy, given what they got done, much the same way you would go, I would think in regards to a running back as well, but from a high school standpoint, DBs, D line, linebacker would it be defensive guys. You would think,
2: yeah, potentially defensive line. Um, although I could see them wanting to go with a, a kind of a, a a plugger in the middle, <clears throat> defensive lineman. Um, I, I think linebacker and then and potentially a DB, but even then, like I just think that the the spots in the in the high school ranks are going to be very limited. Yeah, in in the month of January, as far as, like, who they got, who they legitimately look
1: at. So, you think more transfer portal in the month of January? I do. With a focus on, from a recruiting standpoint, on –
2: All the things uh, you just mentioned. Offensive – and and potentially offensive line, you know, know, again, a lot of that will depend on Cade, you know. I mean, people have asked, you know, they asked on – Wednesday night, Brent, about, you know, Gerald Mincy, you know, and Gerald is going to be here sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. Um, all right, let's go to DMC Vol. I get the problems with in-state kids recruiting this year, but how did Tennessee knock it out out of the park in the state of Georgia? Scratching my head, he says. How did they have success in Georgia but didn't have success in the state of Tennessee? How, well, many, of those guys
0: were, how many of those guys were Rodney guys?
2: Um, not as many as you would think, you know. Um, you know I mean that you know, obviously, you know he was heavily involved with Tyree West, but you know when you look at Josh Josephs, that was that was Brian Jean Marie and Mike Eckler and Rodney a little bit, um, and then the DBs were really you know Willie and Banks and you know Justin Williams was 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 Jerry Mack. So I mean. Not as yeah. not as many, not as many as you'd think, but I we, mean, like this really well. I mean, Hypo alluded to that, Rob, like you uh, know, in his Wednesday press conference. Now they're not hearing, you know, all the talk like the in-state kids were.
0: Yeah, you know, I I thought that was really interesting. I'm surprised. I had never really
1: thought about that. Ever had you? No, I mean, I honestly, I thought just most of the the in-state kid, the in-state kids in, in Tennessee were just off the board so fast that that. They came off the board before you ever they ever really got a shot to see what Tennessee looked like because so many of those guys committed uh, in, in spring and the in the early part of summer. Rob, here's the other thing I wonder a little bit about the state of Georgia. Um, I, I think Brian Jean Marie had, had recruited in the state of Georgia um, throughout his career a bit. We know Rodney has. We know Willie Martinez had. Uh, you know, I, I don't think the staff that Josh Heupel put together had, had been working the state of Tennessee a whole lot the last couple of years. And so I think for some of those guys, it was easier in other states because they had more ties, more recent ties to, to other states, in particular, the state of Georgia.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I, I mean, I, I thought that it was pretty logical what Josh said today about, you know, some kid in Georgia or some kid in a, Indiana, like Taven Jackson, they're not hearing about, you know, the NCAA investigation, all the uncertainty, all the negativity that is getting spewed constantly, you know, on sports talk radio or in the, in the media, like some kid in Murfreesboro or Nashville is going to be hyper aware of all Tennessee's issues.
1: Yeah, I think so uh, for sure. All right. To, to the next one we go, do we see, do we start to see things pick up with the portal uh, with the early signing day over with? We know a couple of guys that Tennessee is heavily involved with. Mincy, as Austin's already mentioned, expected to be here sooner rather than later, I would think, um, versus another guy that we've seen. You know, I'm curious, Austin, about the defensive uh, lineman from Oregon that, that's originally from Alabama that went in the portal uh, today. Um, Allen, right? Yeah, I, I, he's, a, he's a guy that Auburn recruited. I don't know how much Rodney Garner's got interest there or do, doesn't have interest with that. I think in terms of portal picking up, it's got to be more guys going into the portal. I think we got a pretty good idea of guys Tennessee likes that have been in the portal. When you talk about Mincy and you talk about Verse,
2: yes, agreed. I think there'll be a, a, a uh, there'll be a January run of kids that go in the portal, much like you know, kind of there's uh, you know, you have this like in season, like the kids that aren't playing that are just wanting out, they go in in season. Then you got the end of the season, then you got the end of bowl game run and then you get got end spring practice run. So, like, I think there'll be a January run, Tennessee will see what's there, act, not act. And then they they may hold some spots, you know, for that post-spring practice run, you know, like they did last year.
1: I think you have to because, Rob, I just think there's going to be some more good players. I think your better players are going to go
2: January or, or post-spring more so than even post-season or during season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think with all the coaching changes, Rob, you're going to have a lot of guys who are going to go through, wait and go through spring and may go, you know what, this doesn't fit me. You know, th- th- this style doesn't fit me or this system doesn't fit me or I don't relate well to my new position coach or that position coach. I, I just think there's a chance to be some pretty solid players, some guys who can help you um, post-spring practice more so than even what's out there right now. Again, Tennessee likes a couple guys right now out there but it's not like Tennessee's got eight on the board that have been in the portal for the last three or four weeks.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add. <laughs> I think that you'll see a lot more movement. I think after spring practice then in January.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um, any fun stories you can share now about kids that sign today doesn't have to be a UT signee. Hey, P, you, got, you got any fun stories you're going to hold out to? I mean, I was thinking about this today. I mean, you and I were going to, Gosh, I don't know what high school we were going to when Taven. When the word about Taven Jackson, we were uh, driving to Riverdale
2: from seeing Caden uh, um, Pope.
1: Oh, that's right. We were coming from Savannah, going those back roads. That lovely ride from Savannah, <laughs> Tennessee,
2: up to Murfreesboro.
1: <laughs> that's exactly right. When that one came about, um, and and you know, you dispatched an army of of the boys to to work on the work on story and. Um, Got, got him on the phone while, while we were driving that way. and that, that was kind of one of the first. I mean, my biggest takeaway, and I went back and looked at this um, on uh, Wednesday night as the story I was writing uh, looked at. I mean, from the week of Thanksgiving through signing, through the early signing day, Tennessee got eight commitments. Six were on defense, two are on offense. This is not a story. But prior to that, they had not had a commitment since august i mean that in the fall that's an unheard of drought when you talk about you go you go september october and and basically rob the month of november almost without getting a commitment and and you're you're having kids on campus yeah i I mean that's a crazy drought i'm just gonna go back before we move on i
0: I remember the taven Jackson story i remember talking to an out of breath austin price Mm -hmm. with instructions to call the high school coach (laughs) and get I get quotes.
2: <laughs> because we were we were up against it and the kid was gonna go and I was like I had I we, we did the interview driving down the road I sent it to Ben to write and and called Rob and said I need you to call the coach and do impact I'm not sure where Kane was at that point
1: bellied up to the bar somewhere I guess <laughs> that's about where I've been the last week and a half. Yeah I just I mean we we're like driving through a subdivision or something. It was I mean I don't know what road we took to get from Savannah, Tennessee to Murfreesboro. I was following the little the little dot. That, on, that was on after my iPhone. That's
2: after we had taped the Caden Pope commitment interview uh, that was going to run uh, about a month later, and then it
1: never happened. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that, that, that one was recorded at Savannah and never and never got uh, never saw the light of day. Obviously, by the way, Caden Pope did not sign uh, in the early period, uh, which was a little bit surprising to me. Um, any surprises for early signing day that you didn't see coming? Oh, I mean, two days ago, I didn't see, uh, James Pierce
2: signing, yeah, and, me either. you know, and, you know, I, I knew there was a, a chance that went up on Tuesday. And then of course, by 7.00 AM, they had gotten papers and, that's when I had to start, like, man, we'll go take it to 50-50, even though it was our 100, not done interview with the kid. Like, because I didn't want to spoil his moment. But I also wanted to, like, kind of give the general scorers a little something. Because, I mean, heck, man, it had been a wild 24 hours, and everybody was ready to fight each other. And I was like, man, these guys need something to hang on to. Well, man, I text,
0: I text you guys Saturday night, because I had talked to somebody, that, you know, a guy at one of our other rival sites who was at his state championship game and talked to him, and the kid told him he was signing in February.
1: Yeah. And so hats off to Tennessee staff for turning that around. Yeah, they, they got that. I, that's the one that was, I mean, I didn't, I'm not saying I thought Tennessee was going to get, going to get West, but uh, Austin and Rob both. I mean, we've seen enough Rodney Garner through the year that you just, you, you weren't, you, you never know what's going to happen the, the last two or three days there when, when, when that, when that thing was going down. But the one was Pierce. I, I just, I would have, there's no way I thought Pierce would have signed early um, that, that he was going to do that. Based on what he said Saturday, based on the feelings I had, That that's the biggest surprise to me. Uh, Deshaun, Deshaun13, um, how did this class make the roster more talented? How big is it that most of these guys are early enrollees? Uh, Rob, I'll ask you, because I asked Austin this on the two-minute drill, when you look at this class, what, what do you like about this class? What stands out to I love- you?
0: I mean, that you have a quarterback with potential in it, I think it's got to be the first thing you say. Because, you. I mean, we all talk all the time. You've got to take care of that position. To me, I mean, it's hard to tell on high school tape, but I, I think they brought in some some pretty intriguing skill. I like Sampson. I'm intrigued by Squirrel White and what he can do in this offense. I mean, I, I think they I think they got better at the skill spots there. you got to like Williams and, and what he potentially brings. And with Pierce in the fold, really like the edge, guys. I think he's got i mean what is he 6'5", 220? yeah i mean he's he's got Pretty long he's he's got some long levers man and it, it seems like he's got a really good burst um and I think i guess it was it you that asked the question today about you know you've got to be able to affect the quarterback it looks like tennessee got some guys that can do that with the the two dudes they picked up today i think joseph has a has a chance to be a, to be a real speed guy off the edge but You know, off the top of my head, those are the ones that jump out to me. Improved skill, got a quarterback that you might you can potentially build around and think they really helped themselves in the front seven with some explosiveness.
1: As David Cutcliffe told me years ago, speed never had a bad day. I think Tennessee got better across the board on this roster from a speed standpoint in this class, and I think that was, uh, Austin, a huge priority. How big is it that, what is it, 13 of the 20 or midterm enrollees? How big is that, Austin? I
2: think that's big. Uh, just because you get them to go through, you know, spring ball with you, they get accustomed to, uh, you know, practicing at this level. Um, you get them in the weight room early, you know, and and then that way when you get to the summertime and then fall camp, it is uh, far less of a kind of a shock value for these kids. They've been there, done that, and they're ready to go to work.
1: Uh, how significant is Hendon Hooker's return from a leadership standpoint in the off-season program compared to last year when the position was so unsettled? Rob,
0: I think it's big. I think continuity is big anytime you can get it at that position. When you're talking about capable continuity, I mean a guy that's proven he can play. I think you know it, it really felt to me like he had really won the respect of his teammates. You know, not just with his play, but I think how he handled not being named the starter coming out of fall camp and then kind of earned the job when, when, when his chance did come. Uh, the way he carries himself, I think it's a big deal. I mean, coach, everybody talks about culture. Coach Heipel talks about culture quite a bit. But I think, I think Hooker is a good, you know, building block inside that locker room to have, you know, our, I don't know if your best player, but certainly your most visible player be a guy who really represents that
1: culture that you're trying to build. Uh, what is the reason behind your thought that bull practices don't help the early enrollees? Seems like it really would really help them get an idea as to what's to come before spring practice. I was the one that said this, so I'll take that question. Uh, I do think it gives them an idea of what practice looks like. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but in terms of guys making a huge difference with, difference with four practices, I don't know that it's that significant. And that was kind of my point with that. Um, but we'll see, um, here we go, Austin, uh, give me some 23s that can make an early decision, uh, or make a decision early part of next year.
2: Well, I mean, I, I think Caleb Herring does something by March. I mean, what's early. I mean, it's March early. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, think a guy like Nico and I, I forgot how you said, um, <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a minute, Eyal Maliava. Um, uh, I think he does something. You know, by March or April, you know, and, and you know, to me, he's the he's the clear-cut number one quarterback on the board. You know, um, he he's a program changer at, at the quarterback spot. So, you know, those are early. I think you'd like to get Deshaun Bishop in early if you could. I think the most of these. You start hitting some of these in-state kids the best you can See, so you can knock down any, uh, you know, big pillars. Herring's the biggest pillar of the, of them all in-state, and it's not close.
1: All right. Speaking of in-state, he wants to know, over and under six-and-a-half Tennessee kids in next year's class. Never seen one, Paul. What? I half a boy. There's your Andy Griffith reference for those of you who don't know that episode. You take it over and the under. Bush. Bush. I think six out. is kind of. Did he say
2: okay. six, or six, six? Six and a half. Six and a half. Oh, um, sorry. I, that's why I said. I think he said six. Um, eh, I'll go under then. I'll say six. I, I think six is kind of a nice number. If they if they get more than that, that's great. But All right. you know, they got they took they got
1: two this year. So and, and next year's class not near as deep as this year's class. Yeah, wildest story from a player Tennessee didn't get this year. For me, I think it's a goo, uh, simply because he he talked to Tennessee. The entire time he was on his Vanderbilt visit. And 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 the whole time he was here
2: wasn't exactly uh you know, singing the praises of playing in front of no
1: fans. Yeah. He was not exactly raving about Vanderbilt. I, but, I, honestly, uh, I believe
2: this is what I believe happened there. I believe that he's got a teammate who is committed there. I think Vanderbilt put the squeeze there and said, We're not gonna take the teammate if you're not coming and he felt pressured. He's an out-of-country kid. You know, <clears throat> he's an international. It's just this is my take. You know, maybe that's not how it played out, but that, that was kind of my take on how it went from
1: Tennessee's feeling good, blah, 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 to they're out. Mad Money wants to know, since the former era, would you say that Josh Heupel has had unequivocally the best first year of any coach Tennessee's brought in? Rob Lewis? Yes. I mean, it
0: feels like it. I mean, I don't. So, I mean, just personality wise, as bad as things were at at the end of last year, you know, it's just, I mean, as net as so much negativity. And I I, I think he's completely flipped that in, I mean, nine months.
2: He and Lane had the same record uh, in the regular season, seven and five. Um, it's basically the same year now lane was more competitive against the the big 3 but here's the deal the big alabama and georgia then were not what they are now they're not close so uh, yeah I would for that very reason and for what rob just said about just the ruins that this program was in 10 months ago and in some ways still is in, in some ways i mean it, 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 again it's it's, you know, what they've done is remarkable to me. Still a long way to go, though.
0: But but the vibe you get over there now is it's totally
2: 180 oh, yeah.
1: from what it was. Fresh coat of paint, the whole deal. Yeah. It, the vibe is totally different. Carolina Vol wants to know, where is UT best position going into spring and next year, and where are they still under-talented at this point? Rob, you'll Another.
0: start. I, you I, I would say linebacker, too. I mean, in the middle. I mean, I, I think it's unrealistic to ask those kids that you just got to, you know, be in, be able to come in and be game changers ne- next year on the edge. But yeah,
1: in, in the, I, I think it's an easy answer in the middle. All right. Uh, 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 next one. Now that we know Hendon is coming back, when do you expect the decision from Cedric Tillman? How valuable is a senior quarterback from like that, uh, from a leadership recruiting standpoint going forward. And Rob fill in the blank. Tennessee is successful the rest of the year in basketball. If, Go with the basketball one first, Rob. I haven't had have any basketball there. Uh, I mean,
0: I, I think in, inside scoring. I mean, I've been I've been saying it for a long time, and I'm not. You know, Olivier had a great game the other night, but that was against USC Upstate. He's done the same thing against Tennessee Tech and ETSU, and then has just has simply not produced against Villanova, North Carolina, Colorado, Texas Tech. I mean, just no no show those games completely. I mean, Fulke's been okay, but either Camelot has to, has to come on or they've legit got to invest in Hatfield. So to me, it's, it's, it's inside. I'm not worried about the perimeter. I think Tennessee's as deep back there as probably anybody in the country. I mean, some nights shots aren't going to fall and they're not going to look good, but the backcourt is, is
1: legit. Austin, I was surprised Cedric Tillman did not say he was coming back when he met with the media earlier this week. I don't think that means he's not coming back, but was surprised he didn't go ahead and get that out of the way, weren't you?
2: Yeah, but I mean, I guess if if you want to do it a certain way or whatever, you know, I mean,
1: who knows? I mean, that's a bit befuddling to me as well. But it certainly feels like he's coming back and having Hendon Hooker back does not hurt you in any way uh, from a recruiting standpoint, other than affecting you if you wanted a quarterback out of the transfer portal. Uh, Other than that, I think having a successful quarterback helps you on the recruiting front in a lot of different ways, not just a quarterback position, but it continues to show what you can do offensively, which helps you, which helps you recruit uh, offensive players moving forward, be, forward beyond just the, the guys playing quarterback. Um, Alexander F., what happens to the somewhat high-level prospects like Mormon Joseph, Jay Hardy, that don't see the field transfer after a year to a lower level? Is that just a missing talent evaluation, work ethic once on campus, or is each situation different? I think it's pretty obvious each situation is different. Part of it's fit with a coach, you know, signed with a coach, and that coach is no longer here. Style of play doesn't fit them. Uh, don't fit the culture. Um, a lot of those different different variables fall into play there. That, that's nobody's – you know, when you're dealing with a human element, no two things are, are exactly the same. So each situation is certainly different.
0: Or Don't you think work ethic is, is a big one, though? Yeah, For I mean –
1: yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, you know, I think for some kids that the transition from high school to college is just hard. I mean, it's just the game's a lot harder. It's not nearly as fun. For some kids who are uber talented that maybe aren't playing in the best competition, Rob, you know, it's all about Friday night, and that's it. You don't have to worry about what happens Monday through Thursday. That's not the way the college life is. Yeah,
0: I just think some kids aren't ready for the commitment. I'm not saying that's the biggest reason, but I think that's a lot, a lot more than you would think.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, Is there, will there be a camera showing progress to Neyland Stadium? Danny White has indicated they're looking into that and may do that. Right now, I don't know that they're going to put a camera up just to show the demolition of bricks, but I would not be surprised if you didn't see uh, that installed at some point. I know he has been asked about that. All right, let's go to a hoops question here from C. Troutman1. Rob, is the Memphis game our most important non-conference game of the season? I know they certainly aren't the highest-ranked non-conference opponent but this game feels very important to me. Where do you put this game at?
0: I don't – I mean, I think for 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 you, I mean, for C. Troutman, it probably is the most important game of the season and for a bunch of other Tennessee fans, especially fans that live in Memphis. But, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think Villanova, Arizona, North Carolina for sure, those are all – if you're trying to recruit a kid, you know, from New York City, he, he's going to be much more aware of those programs and, and those brands. Than he is of Memphis, but for, it, yeah, for Tennessee it, fans, it, it's it, it, I can see why it might be the most important game.
1: And, and this is another question on, in the mailbag podcast as well. Is that a reason why you don't think this series will be an, an annual? They'll, they'll ever renew it at a, as a as an annual game?
0: No, I've said I've told I've said this before. I never really reported it, but enough time is because I was asked not to. But enough enough time has passed. I think the statute of limitations has passed, and I've dropped it in like a chat here and there, but never really – not as a headline. Uh, two years ago, prior to COVID, this would have been the year that Tennessee and Memphis played in Knoxville. That – the upcoming offseason, Tennessee got an offer from Fox to play Villanova and Madison Square Garden, and Tennessee was going to be paid a substantial sum of money to do it. And But in order to do it, it was the same day the Memphis game was scheduled to be playing Bridgestone. Tennessee asked Memphis to move it. They wouldn't move it. Rick Barnes will never play them again
1: there you go there's your answer to that question um ap's golfing buddy by the way nice screen name don't you like that one ap's golfing buddy
2: the question is is he really my golfing buddy i mean
1: well or not, is this
2: just a made-up thing I, I mean i have advocated long for uh rob's coffee mug to be a handle uh i just think that would be strong or uh, back when jesse was there jesse's jorts well,
0: i'll tell you what's getting ready to be a handle i wish i could bet money on K- it. Yeah. Comb over. The hubs' is goatee
1: is getting gray. We'll see how long the goatee lasts. You know how. Hey, uh, Clyde, did you get some just from men yet? <laughs> it is. It is a little gray. He's that's for sure.
0: A P. He looks like Lloyd from Yellowstone.
1: <laughs> is that right? I've never seen that show. Is that good? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Probably not a good Lloyd, thing. Lloyd's a good-looking man. and yeah, the way you're laughing, Rob, I don't think that's a good uh. thing. <laughs> Hugs is ready
2: to take some of the guys from the general quarters to the train station, Rob.
1: <laughs> All right. To go, AP's golfing buddies question. After the first early Sunday, what are your thoughts now on Josh Heupel's ability to recruit? Has he shown himself to be a strong recruiter closer, or is this more of an indication of assistants doing their thing and hypel assisting as needed? Uh, PS, new to the GQ, and you guys have done an awesome job. I'll gladly play 995 for every ap wink going forward
2: um you know i appreciate him saying that um for me like i don't i I said this when we were doing kind of our um like midday recap hubs i don't think you can like judge josh heupel or judge the staff i think they all work together you know um do I think Heupel is the strongest recruiter on the earth? No. Do I think he's more than capable? Absolutely, yes. So like, it always falls somewhere in the middle. Like this whole notion that he can't recruit is silly. He absolutely can. You know, um, you know, I think that, you know, you know, some guys on this staff I thought really, you know, had some nice moments. Eckler with James Pierce, uh, Jerry Mack with, you know, um, with 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 Williams. Um, I thought Brian Jean-Marie was really solid all year long. Um, so, I mean, for me, I you know, I, I think the staff's done a nice job to get Tennessee a, a nice, solid opening class. But they have to build on that in 23. Like, you know, whatever they did this year has got to be better next year, period.
1: Starting in state. I mean, I think they've yes. got to be better in state, first and foremost. I mean, Rob, it's about stacking classes. You know, you, you, don't, you don't sign one class and pronounce somebody back. I mean, it is literally about stacking classes uh, upon, upon classes. Um, and, and listen, this staff closed well. Um, it was a classic recruiting cycle. At one point, it looked like they were going to get everybody left on the board. At another point, it looked like they were going to get nobody left on the board. And, and, and that's recruiting. I mean, you know, you, ha- you have those moments, and that's just the way it goes. And it ended up that they didn't get everybody, but they closed with some of the key components at positions that they needed
0: and, and Hubbard your point for for evidence that you got to stack classes on top of each other you can't stop just look at the Bush Jones era
1: yeah I mean and look at the Derek Dooley era I mean Derek Dooley's best class was his first class when he had three weeks to put it together you know he, he gets James Stone he gets Justin Hunter he gets Day Rick Rogers and all James of a sudden everybody's Stone. everybody's like <laughs> um you know I guess Tiny Richardson I don't know was Tiny Richardson in that class or a year later he might have been a year later um, but, but that first class, everybody's like, wow, they got it going. I mean, they got it all figured out. That was his best class. It wasn't even close. He didn't stack anything with that class. Um, so there, there's no doubt that it's, you got to do it every year. Um, but this is a solid start that answers, I think, some of those questions um, about what the staff can do uh, and what Josh Heichel can do. Last question of the podcast here. I know we've missed a bunch. And um, I'll, I'll try to get back and get some of these in there. I tried to bounce around, and combine some of them as best I could. I think this was an interesting question. Uh, this is from T France. Uh, is Travis Hunter to Jackson State going to become more of the norm or just a one-off? Barstool blatantly playing the number one player in the country to go somewhere, and the NCAA is just going to sit back and watch. It, it i mean look i never thought we'd see a day where the number one player in the country decommits from Florida State to go to Jackson State I, none of us saw that coming you got a lot of coaches talking or a good number of coaches talking about you know how ugly the waters are out there and then you got Jimbo Fisher who goes on Paul Paul Feinbaum show and says hey everybody's been doing NIL deals for forever they're just legal to new down so wh- wh- <laughs> i mean where where is the where is the deal here right i mean Jimbo speaking. Jimbo speaking
2: a lot of truth there, hubs.
1: Yeah, but 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 this is, I mean, that that one. I mean, Hunter to Jackson State is as blatant of a, you know, sign somewhere to get money deal as there is. Does the NCAA go? Well, that's just kind of what y'all created with NIL. We didn't really want to do this, or is there some movement at some point to say, all right, we got to we got to harness this deal and somehow limit it. Um, I don't know that you're going to be able to pay large sums of money to a bunch of players out there, Rob. But but how does the NCAA, how does college football look at this moving forward? I don't I don't think that the NCAA. I mean,
0: the cat's out of the bag, the genie is out of the bottle, and they're not going to be able to put it.
2: Toothpaste back in. is out of the tube, Rob.
0: <laughs> but I'm, I mean, as always, the voice of reason in this is Lane Kiffin. If any guys saw his press conference yesterday, and I, but I, I mean, I, I'm joking, but I really mean it. I know I've heard some. It, like I think kids are being promised a ton of stuff, but like Lane pointed out, there's no contracts. That's
2: right. You, you know, get to Ole Miss, you get the six hundred thousand dollars to be a running back there, but you know we're not promising anything on the front end. And I've heard some things from the basketball
0: side about some outlandish promises being made, and you know I, that are in line with what Lane Kiffin was talking about. And I, I, I think the movement might be that you that kids you know, find a way or, you know, somebody that's responsible for the kids, that they get some something in writing before they get to campus. Because right now you can tell an 18-year-old kid, I'm going to give you $600,000 if you come here next year and you're not obligated to do that.
1: If you put it in writing, then doesn't it become completely what the UCAA says you can't do, which is pay to play? I'm I'm not talking about the
0: school. I'm talking about – I mean, the kid would probably have to believe, believe the people on the front end long enough to where he signs with the school and then the representative from whatever
2: entity is going to pay him. You're talking about the collectives. You're talking about the collectives that all the schools have. And, you know, and you're right. Like that's pay for play hubs to induce a kid by having him sign something. Now, any kid that signed today could sign a NIL deal in January and it's totally legal. You know, but you're right. I mean, it is a bit of a leap of faith. But with the one-time transfer, it's less of a leap of faith than it used to be.
0: I think it's even less than a leap of faith because you can get out of your letter of intent. I mean, nobody holds you to that. So, if they don't step up to the plate in January with, with some a piece of
1: paper for you to sign, then you ask out. Here's, here's the other question I wonder. Is, is, is this a situation where nobody should panic over these – alleged high dollar amounts because it's going to come back to earth. I mean, it's, I mean, cause it's not sustainable that you're going to pay um, you're going to pay kids just astronomical sums of figures through, through these, what'd you call them maybe collectives or third parties or whatever you call this deal. I mean, is it reasonable to think that after a year or so that that thing's going to calm the waters down and, and the, and the, the amount of money being thrown around is going to be less moving forward or no? I'm just I'm I'm asking a question. I'm not saying I have the answer. I'm asking. Tell me if I'm. Tell me if that, you think that's crazy.
0: I think I think it's crazy in a sport where you just saw Lincoln Riley get a 110 million dollar contract and have, I mean, have his houses taken care of. I don't think money. I, I don't think the money's going down.
2: I think that's where I think that's where you know the kids struggle. You know, I mean, like and I, I've talked to Kay. And, you know, Kay basically got there. And, told everybody for the right amount of money, I'll come back um, on, on Tennessee prime. You know, I mean, you know, I mean like the where he's slotted or where he thinks he's slotted, it'd be about six ninety for a rookie deal. But then a million dollar signing bonus. Like, well, I'm like, Kate, you're not getting $1.6 million to come back. You know, and I don't think he thinks he's getting 1.6 point being is he thinks he's, you know, in Iowa, he's worth more than, you know, a few thousand dollars. And so, like I just I struggle with like what is he worth? What is he realistically worth? I put that I posed that question on the general's quarters. Like, you know, what what's value? How do you set value? Because I don't think you can just simply go, well, if he's going to be a third round pick, then you gotta, you know, you gotta give him third third round money. Like that don't make sense to me, like at all. Like, and there's not that kind of money out there. I mean, like the schools can't pay. So you're really looking at boosters, donors, and or corporations and stuff in your state that can get this kind of stuff done. Well, even then, like, those people have a lot of money, but they're giving money for seats. They're giving money for facilities. They're giving money. That, that at some point, the
1: oil well dries up, so to speak.
2: You know, well, you just can't keep going down that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, and, and we're running out of time here. I think the other thing, too, that's hard for players to distinguish is salary versus marketing money. Like, how much, how much marketing money is Trey Smith making in Kansas City? Yeah. Right. I mean, how much is he making off the fact that he's Trey Smith, not his salary, but his name image likeness? I think that college athletes, they, 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 it they think it's a salary. salary. Yes. Right. They see it as a salary versus uh, it's a it's a marketing agreement, which the NFL guys get above their salary. But not everybody gets that we will be interesting to see a lot of discussion. There's going to be a lot of that discussed coming up throughout this offseason. We got a lot of recruiting, basketball and everything else coming up at Ballquest. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Have a great Thursday, everybody.
2: You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag
0: Podcast every week right here on VolQuest.